and welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to follow your passion and purpose. My name is Kitty Waters. I'm a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of ATL Europe Group, also the creator of Kitty Talks. Our mission is to inspire a generation of changemakers to follow their passion and purpose and make a difference on the planet. All our interviewees have been carefully selected and you will hear amazing inspirational stories of people who have listened to their little voice and followed their purpose. They will reveal bite-sized tips and success secrets that can help you to fulfill your passion and purpose on the planet. Be sure to head over to kittytalks.com and sign up for our exclusive club where you can hear behind-the-scenes footage. These interviews will inspire you to take action. Please like and share so others can have the courage to follow their passion and purpose too. And welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. And today I have an extremely wonderful guest with us. I'm incredibly excited because she's one of my heroes, actually, and I'll go on and tell you about that. Um, but Laura, Laura Doyle, thank you so much for joining us. I'm incredibly excited to have this conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Those of you that don't know, you, sh- you should know, because Laura is a woman who uh, should be in your life. Um, but Laura is an author of several books. Uh, she's a relationship expert. Um, she wrote one of my favorite books. I've got it here so I can show you. It is a book called The Surrendered Wife. And I was just explaining to Laura before we kind of came on that I read this book right before I met and fell in love, head over heels in love with my partner. Um, and I very much credit Laura's book for putting me in the most beautiful receiving space. Um, and I, Laura, I still practice your intimacy skills, you know, on a very regular basis. Whenever I find myself getting, you know, into loggerheads with my partner, I'm like, well, what would the book say? What would Laura say? <laughs> so, Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and I am very excited to hear what you're doing in the world at the moment. Mm. Well, I am on a mission to end world divorce. That's what I'm doing at the moment. Um, yeah, it's really a mission. I'm on a mission. I am, and uh, of course, it was it's born out of my own experience and the, uh, my own pain in my marriage. You know, I didn't set out to be a relationship expert, and I think a lot of people take a, an academic approach to relationships. Right, go to school for psychology or psychiatry. And uh, uh, my work was done in the trenches, especially uh, right after I got married, when I decided that, uh, well, first of all, I I was the perfect wife right up until I got married. And then after that, I decided I was going to improve my husband. I was going to show him how to be uh, more tidy and more romantic and more ambitious. And uh, for some reason, uh, that didn't work. (laughs) And he was avoiding me. And... uh, it was actually, it was very, it was incredibly lonely. Uh, I still remember how painful it was when he was more interested in watching reruns on TV than he was in spending time with me or even making love to me. And so I dragged him to marriage counseling because I thought, uh, well, the counselor can fix him and then I'll finally be happy. So what about him? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but when I got there, actually the counselor said that um, I was controlling, if you can imagine. And uh, I was quite shocked, but but I 
realized, oh, she's right. And so I went back and said, you're right. I'm controlling. Uh, you know, what do I do? How, how do I stop? And she said, yeah, just, just stop being so controlling, which didn't help me at all because I had been a, a well-worn habit of mine for a long time. So uh, I, I felt more hopeless than ever after we'd gone to marriage counseling. And I thought that divorce was really the only option that I could see. So I, I really kind of resolved myself that um, I was going to end my marriage. Mm-hmm. And instead, in my desperation, because um, I was kind of embarrassed about getting divorced, I decided to ask women who had had long, uh, happy marriages, what seemed like an eternity to me, at least 15 years of marriage. And I asked them for their advice. I said, what, what, uh, how, how are you doing this? And I thought they were going to say, Oh, well, I picked the right guy. And, 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 you know, I, I really believe that I picked the wrong guy. I just was married to a loser pants. And instead they <laughs> did things that didn't even make sense to me. I remember one woman said, I try never to criticize my husband, no matter how much it seems like he deserves it. Wow. And I said, oh, have you got anything else? Because uh, <laughs> that's not going to work for me. No, that's not going to work for me. And so, uh, and on and on, on, on like that. But as, as I got more desperate, I became willing to try some of their suggestions. And they were the exact opposite of what uh, I'd learned growing up. My parents are divorced. I was following the failed recipe. Usually, uh, there's no relationships one-on-one in school, right? So where are we going to learn? And uh, so, but I was fortunate that I was able to pick up the intimacy skills from these uh, women that I, you know, if something worked in my marriage, I kept it. If it didn't work, I threw it out. And there were, and I, I got clear. There are these six skills. And I I just remember I wasn't very good at first, right? It took me years of experimenting to, uh, to get it right. But I just remember coming home one day and, uh, my husband's face lit up to see me. He was happy to see me. And that had been gone for a long time. And uh, so I thought, wow, this is working. And you did this all kind of like all by yourself. So you decided, right, okay. And was it local people that you interviewed or, or went out? And so you just sort of in your network, women that in your network? Women on the next treadmill at the gym or just, you know, <laughs> wherever. I and, uh, you know, it was, it was not so alone, actually. Uh, because when, you know, I, part of the process, of course, was realizing I can't control my husband. So I had to stop doing that. So I thought mm-hmm. I will control my girlfriends instead. I'll tell them what to do because they would complain about their relationship. <laughs> and so I'd say, oh, try this or try that. And as I was learning these skills, you know, I'd say, oh, you know, here's how, you know, use this phrase or use this cheap phrase. And uh, of course they were getting uh, great results. I had a little support group in my living room, there were five of us, and we met with the goal of making our relationships magical again. And that is exactly what happened. It was uh, it was astounding. It was breathtaking to see the results. Like one woman said, "Wow, well, my husband won the sales contest at work, and he you know he took her on the most romantic trip of their lives." Another one said, "Well, we've been bickering about you know I've been trying to get him to paint the family room for so many months now, and." She said, he just, he got up and said, I'm going to paint the family room. And he did. So we were, I mean, there were romantic things, big and small gestures that told us we were onto something, that we had more power in our relationships than we ever realized. And I love that concept that women are the keeper of the relationship. You know, I love that. You know, I really, I really embrace that concept, actually. You know, I, I really feel like it's down to me. I can have 
I can have an amazing relationship that just flows that we're both in our, you know, in our, our best selves, or I can be, you know, it loggerheads and, you know, want to pull the control back to myself. I don't, you know, no woman really, if they're honest, wants to be in a relationship where they wear the pants. I don't, or have the control anyway. I know for me, it was really important to feel desired. It still is. I, I love feeling desired and cherished and just spoiled which is how it is every day at my house now. And I, I just, I can't believe it. I still pinch myself. And I didn't feel desired when I was telling him that he should pay more attention to me or even, I would, you know, I remember standing with my hands on my hips and saying, the average couple makes love two and a half times a week and it's been two weeks. And so I, we're behind and I think we should, right? It wasn't very attractive. And, uh, I'm only laughing because we've like, you know, we've all kind of been there in our head. <laughs> right, right. Oh. <laughs> and I really did think I was probably the only person that had this, you know, this controlling tendency. I knew that I was steamrolling my husband. It was quite demoralizing to to be me because I would hear this shrieking voice like my mother on her worst day coming out of my mouth. And I didn't I didn't enjoy being around that either. I didn't enjoy being that. There was always this emotional hangover that came with uh, these outbursts. I don't miss that anymore. No, it's like a, it's like a, you know, occasionally I catch myself doing it. I'm like, who is this person? Where yeah. did she come from? You know, I don't like her. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's nice. It's nice. It was an unexpected consequence that practicing the intimacy skills really restored my dignity. And uh, a lot of self-confidence as well. I gained so much confidence mm. from uh, hearing myself speak in a way that's, um, yeah, it's like mature and calm. Uh, and, and most of the time, delighted, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like, it's quite interesting because I'd like to talk to more, more to you about the reaction the book gets. Because, um, you know, personally, I have totally embraced the concepts and the, the intimacy skills myself, whether it be receiving, taking care of myself. You know, I can't quite get to the finance one, if I'm honest. Like, that is probably the heart. Like, everything else is okay, but the finance one I'm still working on. <laughs> I'm sure it will come. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I always uh, like to... I mean, one of the things about trying to control everybody else was I really believed that I knew what was best for everyone all the time. And, uh, and it turns out to not be true. So I like to say that uh, we, are, we are all the experts in our own life. You're the expert on your own life. And just because um, I'm sharing my experience of how much uh, romance uh, was restored and how much I feel taken care of and how my husband grew more ambitious when I really pushed the finances, there's lots of benefits. And you're the expert on your own life. So it doesn't mean you ever have to do it. It doesn't fit for you. Everything is about trying it on as an experiment and deciding if you like it or not. And then you can always go back to the way things were if you don't like it. Mm. Well, so, I, have to, I have to say, I, I love our, when Matt and I go out for dinner because we don't, I don't, I usually don't even um, look at the menu. Like I just give the menu to him and just say what, whatever you feel like darling you know and it's in it he loves it like he just you can see his chest like puff up like oh, okay I get to choose everything I'm like yeah absolutely and I know he, he just chooses the most amazing food and wine so um 
Mm. And he knows what you like because mm. he knows you well. And so he's ordering things that will delight you probably. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And what's the reaction been? Because obviously, you know, we are, the, the, the feminine is so rising to, to sit alongside the masculine. You know, and women are rightfully taking their place on earth, but that doesn't mean we need to be men. Um, and I know, I would imagine this is there has been sort of some reaction to the concepts in the book from a kind of feminist perspective. Or? Sure. I, for some reason, when people hear the phrase surrendered wife, they picture an obedient wife or a subservient wife. Um, but for me, uh, surrendered is just a beautiful spiritual word that describes what we all have to do. You know, if you're stuck in traffic, you might wish the traffic would move, but you can't make it move. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could decide to listen to an audio book or music that you love or talk on the phone. And that's surrendering. So a surrendered wife just knows that she can't control anyone besides herself. So she doesn't try. She doesn't tell her husband what to wear or how to spend money or what to eat for lunch. Instead, she focuses on her own happiness. And that, in turn, improves the intimacy dramatically. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we're we're happy people, we're nice to be around, aren't we? So that's going to attract our man to us. Exactly. That's what we see over and over again. Even though women come and you know come into onto my campus and say, "Well, he said it's over. He doesn't love me anymore. He's not in love with me, or um, he's filed for divorce, or there's an affair." Even, and we see women get the skills, get the training. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we all need to have an intimate relationship. Just like, I mean, I think about kids with cars, right? We don't say, oh, you're 16 now. Here's the car keys. Go take the car for a spin. You know, we, we have them uh, get some training. They have to take a test. They have to study for it, a written test, a driving test. But where is this training for relationships? And in some ways we pathologize relationship problems. We make it seem like, well, let's go back to your childhood and look at the injuries or whatever and and really it's just a matter of no one ever I mean if you got into a car with no lessons very likely crash the car and you say this is dangerous and uh so it's interesting to get into a relationship with no training is is can be very painful yeah and it's you know our model of the world is probably the parents our parents and if we've our parents haven't had a successful relationship but you know my parents do have a successful relationship but um my mom did everything like so that was my model was that I'd be DIY I would I didn't need any help from a man because I could do it all myself basically there was no space for him yeah yeah and I do think there's been a big emphasis on uh for women uh, being independent for the past, gosh, at least what sixty years now. That's been a big message mm. that we've heard. Uh, and for me, I'm not as interested in independence anymore. I, I like to be interdependent with my husband, and that just seems to work beautifully. And uh, it was a little overwhelming and lonely to focus on the independence all the time. Mm. Well, when you get to a place where you're choosing, you're both whole people choosing to be in a relationship with one another because you make and one another's lives better, and that's a kind of beautiful space. Yeah, it is a beautiful space. And I, I also find, though, that being in, in this marriage has been, and making it wonderful, has been the best self-improvement program I've ever undertaken. You know, I was uh, 21 when I met my husband. It was a long time ago. We've been married, it'll be 28 years this year. <laughs> and uh, I have grown up so much. I've matured so much. I feel like I've uh, I've learned uh, self-control and patience and 
uh, restored my dignity and all these things. So uh, I guess uh, sometimes I lament women saying, well, you know, I, I feel like I'm not ready for this relation, you know, for a relationship. I've got to work on me first. And I always think, <laughs> I, w- I guess I wasn't ready either. <laughs> but being in the relationship, um, you know, my husband I, is a bit of a mirror and he shows me how yeah. I'm doing. So when I'm getting a bad reaction from him, that's a great indication. It's time to check my attitude and what I'm bringing and is there some snippiness at the very least right or impatience or um intolerance and, and usually it just means I need to take a nap or something right sorry <laughs> tempered so and when did it go from like how did it how did it kind of grow because obviously you know your book has been published all over the world you've got this global tribe of women and um, how did it go from having this little meeting in your living room what what, how did it expand (laughs) well one of the women said one of the five women said I've been talking to my cousin uh you know across the country about this in Florida and uh, she was wondering if you could write down what we're doing so so she could do it too and I said sure I'll do that (laughs) write down and uh I I was a journalism major in school, so I was a writer. And uh, I thought, yeah, great. And I wrote it out. And at the end, I was so, it so flew out of me. I just felt a lot of passion. I felt that I was in flow. Um, well, it was almost coming through me, I felt like the book was. Mm. And when I was done, I said to my husband, you know, I think there are at least, I think there might be 2,000 women that would be interested in reading this. And he said, great. And at the time, it made sense for us to just self-publish it. It was there were still a lot of gatekeepers. This was uh, back in the late '90s. A lot of gatekeepers for books, and so we just said, well, "Let's just we'll just self-publish it." And we get those 2,500 copies printed, and um, the LA Times did a story about it, and uh, it was picked up on the wire worldwide. I get calls from the UK oh, wow. and all over the world. Yeah, and um, and the, the 2,500 sold out immediately, and then Simon and Schuster picked up the book, uh, as well as um, I think we're in we're in 28. Or 29 countries now, wow. all different languages, languages I don't speak, of course. And uh, <laughs> I get letters from all over the world. You know, I get letters from Egypt and women say, we thought only Egyptian men were like this or, you know, from Japan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's fun to see how much we all have in common, how much all uh, women want to be uh, desired and cherished and adored and and men want to be respected for their thinking. And mm. that's how uh, effective it is once you know how to do it. Mm. Well, res- I, don't, I think, I don't know if you said it, but respect is like oxygen, isn't it, for men? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's really, yeah. And, and to think about depriving your loved one of oxygen and you don't even know. I think I hear that so commonly from women. I didn't know I was being disrespectful. Like, we didn't really know what it looks like because it looks so different to women than it does to men. Like for women, we think, well, I didn't leave a mess. I cleaned up the mess or I let him know where I was going to be. <laughs> we think that's respect. It's more like we think thoughtfulness, really, when we think respect. And for them, it's uh, when we say, uh, oh, be careful with your driving. That's disrespectful, right? Mm-hmm. That's us showing we don't think they're very good drivers, very confident drivers. And and who, who, knew, who knew, right, that saying, oh, be careful, it would land this disrespect for them, but it really does. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, respect, like, it, you know, I, I, with my partner, will always reinforce, you know, the positive things, like 
that I do. You know, and I, I went through a stage. I love the part about the receiving and, and the and the gifts because I remember going through a stage when I was first really in flow and I'd read your book and every gift I even if I didn't like it, I was like, I love it. Oh my god, it's amazing! Like you know. And then I kind of went out of that and I kind of started to give feedback to get on gifts. And of course that didn't go down very well. <laughs> and then the gifts dried up. And I was like, I wonder why these gifts have dried up. And then of course it all came flooding back to the heart. I wasn't a receiver. So, so yes, it's a constant, for me, it's a constant journey of practicing the skills, maybe going off track, but then bringing them back in and um continually kind of working on them and through them basically yeah yeah and the more I practice them the more I learn to honor myself and really speak my truth and even in a receiving situation of course I'm wanting to preserve the intimacy and be a gracious receiver that's the essence of femininity so I always feel like that's making me 10 times more attractive when I'm receptive and if I'm not crazy about the gifts sometimes I'll just be like you are so thoughtful. Thanks for thinking of me. Thanks for, for getting, you know, for going out of your way to bring me something. You're so sweet. And I just adore that about you. And uh, try to be uh, authentic as well as receptive. So that's the, that's the tricky part is kind of walking down uh, the road of preserving the intimacy, making that my priority while still being very true to myself. Mm. And that's just an amazing journey. I probably would have never taken that journey if I hadn't messed up my marriage. So I couldn't be more grateful for the whole thing at this point. I love the um, the concept, or the, you said the lady that said to you in your group, why don't you put your, you know, it's almost like the universe kind of had had the idea of what you needed to do and even suggested to you what it was that they wanted you to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely true. It, it definitely, I definitely feel a sense of, uh, like I get marching orders. I talk about my marching orders. I had a marching order to write the book. Uh, you know, I've written five now. And uh, then I got to go on uh, international and national television to talk about that message. And then I was called to uh, start a uh, coaching company because there were more women seeking my help than I could support. And uh, now I train coaches and I have online programs. We offer coaching uh, and now my my latest thing I'm uh, I'm going to have a TV series. Oh uh, wow! I didn't know that. It's fantastic. Yeah. So and all of it just feels like uh, it, it's the universe is uh, sort of nudging me along. In fact, uh, and at times I resist. There was a time after I wrote this journal, wife, where there was just an avalanche of attention, as you can imagine, and women writing to me saying, "Please, you've got to help me. I'm." struggling my marriage or it's about to end or uh we used to love each other so much and, and I don't know what's happening please help me and I was really trying to help everyone I'd put my my phone number my email address in the book because I thought maybe someone would want to talk to me about this you know and of course uh I wasn't set up I wasn't prepared and there was a point where I got overwhelmed and I thought uh I've written the book my work here is done I'm putting my feet on the desk everyone can just read the book and uh, I kind of, I ran away, I'm honest, you know, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't respond to my marching orders at that time. So and what was it, I was going to say, what was it that pulled you back? Well, I started to feel like I was going to get uh, swollen by a whale and end up in Nineveh. If I didn't <laughs> go back to my purpose, you know, I, I remember just, uh, you know, running into women and they'd be telling me their 
problems in their relationships. I barely knew them. And I thought, why is she telling me this? You know, and I just felt such a tug that um, there was, uh, I hate to see any woman suffer needlessly when it's just a matter of training. And I think because uh, I suffered and I I just hate to see that. So Mm. it felt irresistible to me to come back and come back with systems and structure Mm. that I could support many, many thousands of women, which is what we do now at Lordwell Connect. Mm. And what, because obviously, you know, you're a wonderful example of someone who has turned their, I suppose, their greatest pain into their greatest gift, actually. Um, and I'm a massive advocate of people tuning in to what they're here to do, to, to kind of do their, just take care of their little bit. If everyone took care of their little bit, the planet would be a much better place. Um, so what advice would you have for somebody who maybe doesn't quite know what their passion and purpose is? Any, any kind of advice how they can tune in? Yes. Well, I think what you just said, Kitty, is so wise that whatever your greatest pain has been, whatever the hell and back that you have gone through and learned from it, right? If you've come through the other side and said, ah, if only I'd known this uh, before and I could have saved myself so much needless emotional turmoil, right? Or net, call it net for short. Uh, Then, uh, you know, and and if everyone else knew this, it would save them so much needless emotional turmoil. That is really a great way to find your purpose. It certainly has been my path. Well, and we will have all of the information on Laura's uh, current books, a new book, all in the show notes. So you'll be able to access all of that. But I yeah, like I probably come across as a bit like, oh my goodness, but I cannot tell you the impact that this has had. So if you're a female and you haven't read this, then I suggest that you pick it up now because <laughs> it will change your life and make you have the most amazing relationship. So Laura, thank you so much. I cannot be more grateful to you to coming and sharing your wisdom today. Um, it's been a joy yeah and um yeah I've been um really looking forward to this conversation so um thank you for what you're doing for women and ending wealth with divorce thank you bye-bye thank you so much for listening to kitty talks be sure to head over to our kittytalks.com website become a member of our exclusive club and you'll get free interviews and access to our private Facebook group. Exclusive webinars and secret success interviews. See you there.